Will Brian Burns sign a new deal before camp? What are the expectations for Bryce Young heading into training camp as QB1? And what are some of the training camp battles we should look out for? We'll answer all those questions right here on Locked On Panthers. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, your team every day. That is our motto here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where tomorrow... On Friday, the weekly Friday mailbag is back. So, guys, send me in questions, either at me or DM me. Get those questions in as it's your last time before the Carolina Panthers report down to training camp in Spartanburg on the campus of Wofford College. Get those questions into me, either at me or DM me. Coming up on tomorrow, the weekly Friday mailbag here on Locked on Panthers. On today's show. We continue to preview training camp as we have all week long, and we'll continue to discuss whether Brian Burns is going to sign a deal before camp gets underway and whether it really even matters and also expectations for Bryce Young, some of the guys on the roster bubble, how it might look for Jeremy Chin, if he's going to play a lot of safety, if he's not going to play a lot of safety, going to answer all those questions. Well, I guess I'm not going to answer them. Mike K from the Charlotte Observer is going to answer those questions today as we have Mike back on the show. He's enjoyed his summer vacation. I enjoyed my summer vacation. We're both back to the daily grind and we're ready to face the heat next week down there in Spartanburg. I think I'll be down there at least if I am. Say hello. Um, or don't. It's whatever you want to do. But all that coming up here on the show, Mike K, Charlotte Observer, going to talk about the Panthers training camp upcoming next week, the likelihood that Burns signs a deal, and all the stuff I mentioned before, and all the things that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks and months as, man, is it football season yet? No, but almost. And I am ready for it to be here, as are you. So on the other side, Mike K from the Charlotte Observer coming up here on Locked on Panthers. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. Whether you're prepping for a draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So with draft prep underway for the upcoming season, let's see who Vinny has picked out for us this week on eBay's guaranteed fit fantasy picks of the week. Looking to make a smooth turn in fantasy football snake drafts with the last pick in the first round and the first pick in the second round, you'll be guaranteed to have two of the surest performers by going all AFC West with Raiders wide receiver Devontae Adams and Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Adams has proved he remains a reliable top selection in Las Vegas, while Mahomes will again operate with both the highest floor and ceiling among the standout luxury options at his position. Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. With eBay Guaranteed Fit and over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle right at your fingertips, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternators, shocks, struts, you name it. eBay Motors has it, and they'll make sure it's the right fit for your car because eBay Guaranteed Fit helps you understand exactly what part you need for your vehicle 
the first time. So go forth, switch gears, crank the AC, and say goodbye to sweating if your ride needs a little fixing up because now you know you'll always be set up for success from the get-go with eBay Guaranteed Fit. Everything your vehicle is calling for is just a click away for the parts and accessories that fit your vehicle. Just look for the green check, get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, back here on Locked on Panthers. And as promised, Mike K of the Charlotte Observer covers the Carolina Panthers. Follow him on Twitter at Mike underscore E underscore K-A-Y-E. Mike, it's been... A long but actually short summer, and the Carolina Panthers are headed down to training camp next week down in Wofford, which I think will be, what, your first training camp, right? So you're going to get to experience the the heat of Spartanburg firsthand. Yeah, uh, the family and I took a trip to Charleston, and the humidity was like, oh, man. So I've, like, actually started taking, like, two-and-a-half-mile walks every day just so I can, like, prep up for the heat. It It's... You know what? I, I bought one of those fans where you can like tie them up. Maybe that'll work. I don't know. Somebody might have yeah. to save me. We'll see. Well, I heard they have the neck fans now that you can put around mm-hmm. you. So maybe you got to invest in those. But it's good to, to see that you're out here uh, prepping for the heat. Now, there will not be that sea breeze to help you out there in Spartanburg. But it's become a, a time-honored tradition here in the Carolinas for everyone just to sweat their ass off early in August as the Panthers head down to training camp at Wofford. But before they get down there, there are some things that they could still tie up as far as positions and players who would like another contract or a new contract. And that would be Brian Burns. Apparently there's an offer on the table according to Darren Gant of Panthers.com. And we're still waiting to see whether Burns will be extended before training camp and what that number might look like. You have to also take into consideration guys like Nick Bosa, who's from the same draft class, also waiting to get paid in San Francisco. And if I was Brian Burns, I'd be waiting to see what Bosa gets before deciding to get a deal. How likely do you think it is that Burns signs a deal by the end of the weekend? And does it really matter whether a deal is done by training camp? Because he doesn't really... See, I don't look at him as a guy that would hold out for and wait for a deal. Well, that's a loaded question. Uh, I like it. Um, so I went into the offseason thinking it was like a 50-50 that it would get done entering training camp. And guess what? I'm still at like a 50-50. I think, I think you're right. It doesn't. He doesn't strike me as a guy who would hold out. I also think, like you said, the Bosa contract lingers large over this negotiation. I don't think he'll get Bosa money. Um, even wh- the way the market kind of resets itself and everything like that. I could see him getting Miles Garrett money in comparison to a new Nick Bosa contract, which I believe is like $23 million a year. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think, you know, if you really believe in yourself, I mean, I know he's coming off of ankle surgery. This defense fits him significantly more than the 4-3. I think he could have 16 and a half sacks this year. So... There's also that you also don't want to over, you know, not overproduce your contract, but you, you don't want to overproduce from the year before. And then you realize that you signed in, in a spot where your negotiating power wasn't as great. So I, I do wonder if that's part of it as well. They're putting a lot of pressure on him. He's the only guy who is like a true blue fit for this, this system uh, who has experience rushing in a 3-4, and, oh, by the way, has a history of being a productive full-time starter. So it's a lot on his shoulders, and I think he has a ton of leverage. 
Yeah, I mean, from the team perspective, they should want to get it done right now. Mm -hmm. And you speak of that leverage. The Panthers had last October to trade him when there was talks of a fire sale in Carolina, which never happened. The reasonable trades happened, which was McCaffrey going to San Francisco and Robbie Anderson being jettisoned to Arizona. Now, of course, he's known as Chosen Anderson down to Miami. And then there was back in March when they traded up to number one overall in order to draft Bryce Young, where they could have traded Derek Brown. Brian Burns or DJ Moore. They chose DJ Moore. And we already saw Derek Brown was rewarded by having his fifth year option exercise, which would have happened regardless of whether they thought about potentially trading where Chicago asked for him in that trade. So Brian Burns has the double digit sacks. He has the back to back pro bowls. He has the two examples he can point to where the team didn't trade him. He also has Scott Bitterer saying Burns is going to be here verbatim earlier this off season. So I feel like Brian Burns is in a good situation and the great thing is for the organization, say a deal doesn't get done, it's not like he's going to automatically be a free agent. They would probably franchise tag him. He'll be in Carolina. So I don't think it's much concern because I did have a fan ask, oh, hey, like when do we start getting concerned? I was like, well, he's going to play this season. And then, you know, maybe we get to this time next year if he's on the franchise tag and they don't still have a deal, that's when you would probably start to get concerned about Brian Burns' future in Carolina. Now, we know about Brian Burns and what he can possibly do in this new 3-4 scheme. Uh, of course, the talk of camp is going to be about Bryce Young starting off as QB1. What should the reasonable expectations be for Bryce Young heading into training camp next week and then heading into the preseason? Well, I, I think at least for those first few practices that don't have pads, I think just continuing to do what he did during OTAs. Yeah, he had some up and down workouts. There were some inconsistencies, uh, especially during mandatory minicamp once he got like those full on first team reps. But I think for the most part, he impressed people with his leadership, his wisdom beyond his years and his ability to process and see the field very, very well. That's what you care about. The mental aspect of OTAs is what you're looking for. Can a guy grasp the system? Can he can he forge chemistry with his teammates? Does he command respect? Those sort of things are part of that development. OTAs are really practice on how to practice for training camp. And so now he has to come back into the fold and not skip a beat. He was out in Dallas last week working out with the wide, most of his weapons um, and I think that helped with the camaraderie based on what I've been told. Um, I think he is a guy who has commanded respect very early on. And that's important because you gave him the keys essentially midway through OTAs. And now that's not, that workload is not expected to change. Yeah. You, you bring up, Brian Burns and the kind of pressure that's on him as he's the only guy, at least at outside linebacker, that seems to be a natural fit in this 3-4 scheme. The Panthers have, I guess in theory, had opportunities this offseason to add some players there opposite of him at outside linebacker, something they failed to do last year after they allowed Hassan Reddick to leave and go to Philadelphia. A player who would have been tailor-made, I would have thought, into the system, Leonard Floyd, signs in Buffalo, had a relationship with part of the staff dating back to his time with the Rams. Frank Clark, maybe not as much of a fit, but someone that could have been a potential call for Carolina. He's now in Denver. So you look at it there, and then you also look at wide receiver. Like the Panthers, I guess they didn't really seem to be that interested in DeAndre Hopkins. I haven't seen any, any reports suggesting that they were. Are they telling us that they are confident in what they have at wide receiver and what they have at outside linebacker, particularly outside of Burns? I think they're telling you they know what they are. Right. Like this is a okay. two year rebuild. And I think, you know, you know, when, when you're paying off a credit card or student loans or whatever, and that last one hits, that's what next year is going to be. Next year, they got a ton of cap space. And I think this year is really about setting the foundation 
Um, they're not a pass rusher away. They're not an X wide receiver away from being true contenders. Sure, they could contend for the division, but in my opinion, they overachieved under Steve Wilkes, and that's uh, a credit to Steve Wilkes uh, last year. You know, that team probably should have been a five-win team. They won seven. Um, to me, this is an eight and nine, nine and eight toward, sort of team, and I don't know if an edge rusher or wide receiver changes that significantly. Um, what I'd also say is you got also have to see how the Brian Burns contract pays out. Are they going to front load him? Is he going to want money up front? How is that going to be, you know, tossed around? They spent in, in places where I think they thought that they could help Bryce kind of adapt. But if you look right. at their defensive depth chart, it is like paper thin. If they have one major injury in the starting lineup, you are going to feel it. And I think, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, uh, Certainly a practice facility for the Panthers wasn't built in a day. And so I think the roster can't really be built in a day either. Right. So, or an off season. And I think um, from the Panthers perspective, that's smart money because to pay a guy, you know, Leonard Floyd, I would have paid, but to pay a guy, if he wants $9 million for one year, that's not really setting a foundation. That's not really helping you contend long-term. And I think the Panthers are a team that wants to have a surge of wins because the bar is very low, but also not overachieve to the point where the road becomes a little bit harder to approach. Like if you look at what the giants are doing and what the Vikings have had to deal with, those are two teams that significantly overachieved last year to the point where they were stuck. They had to re-sign Daniel Jones. They had to franchise tag Saquon Barkley. There was not a lot of wiggle room. Like the logic was just there to ride it out. The Panthers are really blank slating this for the most part. And I think that shows in their depth chart. And I think it shows in their decision-making. You mentioned that this is a team that probably should have been a five-win team last year if they had not overachieved with Steve Wilkes in the final 12 games or 12 weeks of the season. Do you think that potentially now has clouded people's perception and expectations of what this team is going to be, or at least what they believe it should be heading into the season? Yeah, I hate to be the wet blanket, but I think uh, this is a team that can contend for the NFC South, but only because the NFC South is the NFC South. Um You're still dealing with a head coach who is really smart, knows the quarterback position, is very creative on offense, never won the division in the AFC South. Uh, Never had long-term success with a quarterback with – yeah, yeah. And during that time, Doug Marone won it, uh, Mike Vrabel won it, Bill O'Brien won it. So I I think if you're looking at – there are questions to be answered. I put out a story uh, today about the 10 storylines coming into this season – when half of them are about uncertainty of positions, that's a problem. Um, and I think this team, I think this team has a really good core, and I think that's what they aimed to to go after. I don't think there's outside of Brian Burns and maybe Derek Brown uh, of the returning players. I don't think you have guys who are considered elite or almost elite players just because J.C. Corns dealt with injury. Uh, Shaq right. Thompson's older. He has looked phenomenal, by the way, in work. Yes. I know it's without Pat. Uh, I know a lot of people care about Shaq Thompson. Um, I was very pro the pay cut because just the way the market is. But he has looked phenomenal. Another guy who's looked really, really good is is Jeremy Chin. I'm sure you're going to ask about him later. 
But like, really, when you look at the nucleus of this team, who's a real star there? And I think it's Brian Burns and Derek Brown and a bunch of people who are trying to earn that sort of credit. Yeah, I feel like, especially on the defensive side of the ball, they have a lot of just solid starters if those guys are out there. And that's kind of the thing, like Dante Jackson, is he going to be out there? J.C. Horn, is he going to be out there? And Shaq, he's, he's been solid the last couple of seasons. Frankie Luva was a certainly a surprise, a production he put up last year, and I wonder what he looks like this upcoming season. And, you know, J.C. Horn, if he can be healthy, you think he has at least some sort of star potential. But that the whole thing is availability. I guess when you look at defense, because you brought up Jeremy Chin, and you were, there's talk about how he's going to be utilized. How do you see that potentially going this upcoming season? Because you bring in Von Bell, you have Xavier Woods from last year. I mean, surely those guys are going to get their fair share of snaps, especially Woods too, but obviously Von Bell. Like, how much do you see Chin playing safety? And like, how do you think they'll utilize him this upcoming season? I don't see him as a safety. I see him as a big nickel corner. But if you want to play the safety game, this is going to be a bigger defensive backfield. I think, you know, you already see the length of J.C. Horn. Um, they spent, like you said, money on Von Bell. I think Xavier Woods is one of the better communicators at the position. Um, and then you have Jeremy Chin. So those four guys, they're going to run a lot of cover two, cover four. They're going to have shells out there. And you better have personnel that can match up with the big people beat up little people theory. And from the standpoint of depth, safety, you know, a lot of teams, I, I, I've gotten a little bit of pushback on this, but a lot of teams would be thrilled to have four NFL caliber safeties. They have probably like five or six yeah, guys that can actually play in the league who aren't just like fill in practice squad level players. I mean, so that's the one place where they have a lot of depth. And I think that's why you're going to see them use a lot of bigger secondary packages at corner, I mean, they're really a J.C. Horn injury away from having to start C.J. Henderson and Dante Jackson, two other guys who constantly have question marks. Um, their cornerback depth is not great. If there was an undrafted player that I think has an optimal shot at making this roster, it's Rajon Wright because he fits their bigger cornerback mold. Yeah. But also they have no depth. So it's it's going to be interesting. Stanley Thomas Oliver is a really interesting guy who I could see – playing nickel if chin isn't when when they go to more of like a coverage based look yeah i talked about this on the show yesterday you, you bring up rajon right just talking about potential udfas that could make the roster and just expectations just for the rookie class in general like you look at the roster you look at where the opportunity is at and the opportunity clearly is there at corner because when keith taylor has played he hasn't played at a high level now fifth round draft pick not necessarily like i was expecting a ton out of him when he was put into those situations but tj henderson when they give up what they gave up for him, which is, I mean, third-round pick Dan Arnold, who could have helped Sam Darnold that season in 2021 as a safety valve tight end, especially after losing McCaffrey, he has not performed at a level to where that you would expect out of a former first-round pick. And in someone who Scott Fitter said, hey, this move is not about now, it's about the future. Well, the future is here, and it still looks fairly bleak for C.J. Henderson in Carolina. So maybe things turn around there. But yeah, Rajon Wright's a guy I look look at as well. Do you think anyone else potentially has an opportunity? I look at linebacker. Uh, Bumper Pool is an interesting name. Came in for a top 30 visit. The medicals weren't great coming out of Arkansas because of the injuries. But I guess there's potentially an opportunity just there at inside linebacker. Although I guess Greer Hill is going to come in, probably be the special teams guy, be your backup. Wooten's a special teams guy. I don't know what they're expecting out of Brandon Smith. Any, anyone else kind of that you could point to that might be one of those UDFAs could make the roster? 
Well, if you're watching this, the video form of this, you can kind of see my face and where I'm going. <laughs> but um, inside linebacker is interesting. They do have kind of like it's Shaq and Frankie and then no one really else that you're like, huh, okay. I mean, Camus Grugier-Hill, I covered him in Philly. He's got plenty of starting experience. He's really fast. Uh, he could be used in kind of a dime role. But then you also have Jeremy Chin, who could be that guy in that dime role. Um, Brandon Smith has a lot of work to do is what I will say. He has a lot of work to do. Um, I think they love what he is as an athlete, but is he a player? And I think like that's in your second year, you got to kind of figure that out. Well, that's uh, the problem. Cause he, he went to college as an athlete, never developed into a player. And now he's in the NFL and they still have the same questions. Yeah. I mean, you could look at it like similarly to Amari Barno, who really needs to step up and, and say, Hey, this guy is an athletic freak. Maybe we just put him on special teams. But when you're when you're trying to put together the best roster possible, that's not always the case. I mean, you you already have a guy like Sam Franklin on the board. You brought up Wooten, who they really like. Um, I mean, Giovanni Ricci. If they keep a fourth tight end, it's because he plays special teams so well, uh, and you can only do that with so many guys. I honestly think there's probably going to be more defensive players on the roster than offensive players to begin with. Uh, so they'll go with more of a cup quality or a quantity over quality depth at defense mm-hmm. on defense. Um, wide receivers was kind of interesting. I thought John Josh Vaughn had a shot at that punt return job. I don't really see that right now. Um, he's been, he was injured throughout the uh, OTA workouts. Cameron Peoples was smart to sign here. I just don't know if they keep four running backs. And if they do, I think Spencer Brown probably has a little bit of a leg up. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's going to be really tough for you. I, bumper pool. A lot of people talk about top 30 visits. I don't know how that ever got called top 30. It must've been an agent spin, but the really oh. just 30 visits. Uh, and most teams take 30 visits with guys who have an injury history or a character history. That's likely why bumper pool took the, maybe they wanted a second chance on his medical. He's a really smart guy, but to me, he really seems more like more of a practice squad guy. He's going to have to earn it, not just over a summer, but over a season. They're going to have to look. He's really smart. He attacks yeah. the ball really well, but I want to see him in pads before I like kind of make up. Mark Milton is the guy who I think is going to push Rajon Wright at corner from the undrafted standpoint. Um, I know they really liked him. Uh Iku uh, Leota is going to be a guy who's probably going to be a top 60 player on the team. I don't know if he'll get into that 53, but he is really interesting as well. Okay, cool. Appreciate you uh, providing that clarity there on the whole top 30 thing. I, I was I was curious about all of that. Let me just kind of backtrack a little bit because I talked about outside linebacker where you got opposite of Brian Burns. Last year, Frankie Louvo had seven sacks. Do you see a situation this year where on pass rushing downs, you could be out there at outside linebacker helping to supplement kind of the lack of talent there on the opposite side of Burns? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think a way to kind of fix the pass rushing situation is to sign one of those veteran inside linebackers who are out there who have starting experience, kind of a Corey Littleton type, and team him with Shaq on specific package looks, then you can move Frankie outside um, because that does give you an extra rusher. He does have experience as a three, four outside linebacker. My concern with that is I think it takes away the specialness of the player because he's more of like a blitzing threat than an actual like legitimate technical pass rusher. 
he's better off going up against guards and centers and leveraging his speed and size and athleticism as opposed to going to the outside where he's facing athletic offensive tackles who have long arms who can kind of stop him in his tracks. It's kind of why he's been such a hybrid player. Um, I do see him playing some outside, but I think inside is really where you can take advantage of his special traits. Um, You know, for this defense, you know, you brought up earlier uh, the leverage for Brian Burns. I think he has more leverage even then so because he sat out the entire OTA workouts with an injury and let the, the, the coaches see what they had. Yeah. Um, and granted, it was without pads, but um, DJ Johnson really didn't stand out to me in the practices that we attended. To be fair, we were only there for three OTA sessions and two mandatory mini camp practices. Got to say that. Barno, I thought, would stick out because of his – 40 time and his uh, bendability. I didn't really notice him. Uh, Marquise Haynes was terrific. Uh, But again, you're playing without pads. You expect him to win with speed. So once those pads come on, will that negate that? How is he going to play the run? That's always been a thing with him. Um, And he's older now. I mean, he's an older guy who seems like he should be a young guy. Um, and then you've got Eter Grossmatos, who I, look, he's gotten a lot of praise, a lot of praise for his, his attitude and the way he's attacked this. He is a very awkward fit for this position. And I just don't know how you're going to get what you need out of him on a consistent basis here. So to me, it's Burns, Marquise Haynes, and like a bunch of like guys that you're kind of like, I don't know how much they can play. And frankly, I think that, DJ Johnson's been put in a really tough position. It'd be one thing if there was like two really good established pass rushers, but this guy's going to be thrust into action right away as a rookie. And sure. He's about to turn 25 in October. So he's an, uh, an older guy, but like you're the problem with the league is there's no time to be patient, but if you're forcing him out there against a good offense and they just lampoon him out there, like, where's where's the trust going to be? You lose your confidence. It's the same reason why people used to hold quarterbacks out until they were really ready. Um, so he's just in a really tough position. If he was like a seventh-round pick, you'd, you'd curb it and you would say, oh, cool, well, he's a three-year rental. This first year he'll chill out. But, like, you traded up, you made a big deal out of him in the internal media stuff. Like, this is just – again, I've been on your show before and said I think it was a really poor process. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's that's difficult because I was thinking too about the rookies that would have a chance to play, and I, I honestly did not consider DJ Johnson getting that many snaps. Now listen to you and seeing that that might be like an actual um, reality, uh, that just kind of spells the issue that they have there at that position. Now I've had people ask, okay, or not? I mean, not even ask, but say like, I think you're overrated or you're undervaluing Marquise Haynes and what he can be. I don't know what it was with Haynes last year. Like the first nine weeks, he had a goose egg in sacks. Then he closed out the Falcons game and looks pretty good the final couple of weeks. Maybe it was a knee issue that he had early on in training camp that held him back for the first half of the season. I don't know. I'll try to give him benefit of the doubt. At this point, it just feels like he is who he is. And if he's going to be your starter on the other side, maybe he can have a good season. If he's healthy fully, maybe he can get six, seven sacks. But is is that exactly what you're looking for long-term? Probably not. But as you mentioned, you know, this is a, a two-year rebuild, at least for the team and how they're looking at it uh, moving forward. Now, just quickly here before we uh, let you go, camp battles, we kind of know for the most part who at least 49, maybe 50 of the 53 guys are going to be on the roster. Like what 
actual battles are there realistically here for maybe kind of starting positions, but also like into the roster positions here in Carolina? I'm fascinated by the punt returner situation. I think Raheem Blackshear's the internal. Yeah, I think uh, Raheem Blackshear's the internal favorite for both kick returner and punt returner. But they signed Demir Bird, and it's like he has some offensive capabilities. So you're like, huh. But he's been, he hasn't really practiced that much when we've been there. I don't know what the story is there. He's been on the practice field. I just don't know what the injury is and okay. uh, haven't been able to confirm it. Um, Shy Smith, it's going to be really tough for him. Uh, Marquis Stevenson's probably the best pure returner of the four. I just don't know what he can do on offense. Um, I think an interesting battle that will take place kind of mostly in the minds of the front office are the guard positions. So Austin Corbett's probably going to start on Pup. Um, if he starts the season on there, we already know that he's predicted to miss some time, which is probably a clear indicator. Cade Mays is the guy who's probably going to get the first shot he did during OTAs. Um, Justin McCray is a guy who's brought in to be more of a backup center, I believe. Okay. But they drafted Chandler Zavala. They've brought up his NC State connection with Iki Iguanu a lot. And I don't think that that's a mistake or a red herring. Um, I also think when you look at the depth of this offensive line, Cam Irving is a really good leader, but they could clearly upgrade swing tackle and pay less. So then you say to yourself, well, Brady Christensen can play guard and tackle. You're going to be without your starting right guard. Chandler Zavala pushing him is not out of the question. And I honestly think that there is going to be some stuff that makes you go, hmm, during training camp that leads you to believe that at least the competition will be at least in the minds of some. I, I think he's a guy that fits next to Iquanu and, and Bozeman a little bit better than Christensen. I think Christensen played well last year, but I think he was arguably the weakest link of a, fi- a really good five-man front. Um, and so from a versatility standpoint, from a, an availability and depth chart standpoint, I do wonder if they say to themselves, well, they can upgrade left guard and then also swing tackle by having Zavala start a left guard. So that's, mm. I'm interested to see what James Campen kind of does there. Um, wide receiver. I think there's a competition at X, but I, it's not really clear to me. The ideal grouping to start week one would be, uh, Thielen in the slot, Chark at Z, and then either Therese Marshall or Jonathan Mingo at X. This group, this coaching staff drafted Mingo. Yeah. Uh, This front office drafted Marshall. Marshall has the experience and saw an uptick in in stuff down the the stretch. He's just got to play more to his size. I'm not sure if either guy is going to be a good X, but they both fit the mold of what can – be used at that position and like you said they weren't that interested in in deandre hopkins and i mean they've got to figure this out Terrence marshall worked out in dallas with uh bryce young um his trainers Terrence marshall's trainers were there uh so i mean i think i think he's taking this very seriously he looks good so we'll see what happens at x um and really like from from the standpoint of there's no special teams competitions. There's like there's a lot of guys on the bubble who are rule era guys. I put in an article about 12 guys that could be there. I'm interested in the guys who are kind of competing against themselves. Like 
Matt Corral is competing against himself. Like yeah. other people have been like with the new third quarterback rule, you have to be on the 53 man roster to be able to use that, that I think teams are still going to look at that as like a worst case scenario. Like in week one, it doesn't really matter, but also people are, have pushed back against him being on the bubble. And what I would say is this last year, Kellen Mund uh, was cut at final cuts by the Vikings after being taken in the third round by the previous regime the year before Ian book, same thing taken by Sean Payton in the fourth round was considered a third round talent cut under Dennis Allen ended up getting claimed off of waivers. You've got to hope if you're Matt Corral, you play well enough, not only to maybe, you know, inspire some teams to have interest in you, but also that you, you prove that you're better than some of the waiver wire options that could be on this roster. Um, And so you look also at the offensive line, you know, not to get into semantics here, but the practice squad elevations every every week allow you to boost a guy. So why keep more than eight uh, offensive linemen on your active roster if you don't have injuries? That's going to play a factor into week one, because if a veteran of four years or more experience is on the roster, their contract becomes guaranteed throughout the entire season. Yeah. A lot of smart front offices cut those type of guys and then bring them back in week two so they don't have to guarantee their entire salary. If I were Michael Jordan or Cam Irving, I'd be concerned about that. Um, so, you know, it, again, it's another thing where there's going to be a numbers game. I agree with you. I think probably 46 to 48 of the guys are probably, if not locked in in great position, I think LaVisca Chanel just needs to show up and play well. Yeah. If he does, he's, he's going to have a role. He'll be great. But I also think, He's LaVisca Chenault, and he was traded for, you know, sixth and seventh round picks in two years. You know what I mean? So, like, Peanuts. yeah, so it's just you've got to be able to kind of put your cleat in the ground and be assertive and earn earn the respect of this coaching staff. There are a lot of guys who are playing to force the team to keep extra numbers at, at positions. I mentioned the fourth tight end. I mentioned the fourth running back. Those will be really interesting battles. Um, I think inside linebacker, Brendan Smith, like you said, Amari Barno, some of these guys that were held over from the rule era, Bravion Roy, uh, nose tackle is really interesting. I think Mark Wall is going to be a guy that people are going to want to remember his name and pay attention to you. Uh, in Philly, we used to joke, a guy doesn't get handed, uh, a number 50 Jersey after wearing a number 70 Jersey without it mattering. And like, uh, yes, that's okay roster economics right there <laughs> but uh he's a guy who's perfect for nose tackle this is, if this if they if they're going to show multiple fronts but if they have a true like true three four um i know you read my stuff and i'm probably you already know where i'm going with this you're gonna need a genuine nose tackle i think bravey and roy is a little bit of an awkward fit um and so again it, look sunrise sunset with uh with rosters when when coaching staff changes happen but I think, especially on defense, I think those Phil Snow, Matt Rule era guys are going to have their work cut out for them. Yeah, and just kind of the takeaway too from earlier, what you were talking about, how there might there's probably going to be more defensive guys on the initial 53 than offensive. I, I looked at that defensive tackle position and seeing them bring in Stallworth, know that McCall's still on the roster. They brought in Deshaun Williams. It it would make sense. Like that would be a pretty beefy uh, position there both figuratively and literally heading in to the season for the Carolina Panthers. He's Mike Kay, the Charlotte Observer, covers Carolina Panthers. Check out all the stuff with the Charlotte Observer. Follow him on Twitter at Mike underscore E underscore K with an E on his last name. Mike, go ahead and let people know what you got going on because obviously 
there's going to be a ton of coverage of training camp starting up next week. Go ahead and uh, tell us what you got going on here over the next week uh, with all your content uh, with The Observer. So I took a big vacation in July because I never take vacation. And I came back. Uh, we've got a lot of in-depth dives. Uh, right now, you can sign up for The Observer. It's it, We're running a summer special. Um, in-depth stuff. Everything's like 1,400 to 1,800 words. And there's no wasted sentences, I promise. So we're doing stuff like... 12 guys on the roster bubble. We go a little bit in depth on that. Um, the main position battles, a lot of what we talked about here. Um, I've got a 53-man roster projection coming out on Thursday. Uh, I have thoughts on the entire rookie class coming out on Friday. And then I've got a big feature uh, of a player that I won't name yet, but uh, it's coming out Monday. I'm really excited for you guys to read it. And look, I'll tell you this. We're going to have extremely in-depth coverage of, of training camp. Uh, if you've read any of our notebooks, they're going to be thorough. They're going to be insightful and there's going to be pictures, hopefully not of me, but of like actual like things. But um, yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty stoked about that. And I hope you guys join us and, and read our stuff because the Observer's got a lot planned and it's going to be very fun. Awesome. Mike K, Charlotte Observer, appreciate you. As always, coming on the show, guys, check out his content. Subscribe to your local paper. It's only a dollar online, so I don't know. It's not that expensive. Maybe it is. I know. Inflation has got everybody except for the paper, thankfully. So uh, go check him out and everything that he does. I'll take a quick pause and come back and wrap up the show here on Locked on Panthers. Great conversation there with Mike K and the Charlotte Observer. Again, follow him on Twitter at Mike underscore E underscore K with an E there. K-A-Y-E is how you spell his last name. Does a great job covering the Carolina Panthers. Uh, he's always interacting with y'all on Twitter as well. So great job there on Mike for doing that because some of y'all are out of your minds. But, you know, it's been kind of calm. Everyone's happy. But we'll get there soon enough to where uh, we got some uh, public freakouts that happened there on good old Twitter. I don't know if that's happening on threads. I haven't been up there very much, but go check out Mike there on Twitter. And of course, like I always have him come on, tell him what's going to happen. Like at least his, you know, his coverage supports people who support the show, you know. So, you know, our sponsors like eBay Motors, we talked about today, and Mike K, support him. Go subscribe to your local paper. It's like a dollar. Again, it's super cheap. It's not that difficult, and I do think it goes up to like $15 after that, but still a dollar for your first month is a better deal than a lot of places give you. Um, So there you go. Mike K, Charlotte Observer, back here on the show on Locked on Panthers. But that's going to wrap up this edition of the Locked on Panthers podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Hosted by yours truly, Julian Gallant. Subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And guys, go ahead right now. Follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, at me, or really just DM me and send me in your questions for tomorrow as the weekly Friday mailbag is back. Every Friday, we do the weekly Friday mailbag. Now, I am thinking about me changing it up as far as what day it is once the season gets underway. But throughout training camp and the preseason on Fridays, I'm going to answer your questions. So get those questions in by either adding me or DMing me. But in the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole. As always, keep pounding, and I'll talk to y'all on Friday.